The sales robots have taken over, and they're decimating deals left and right, destroying them right in their tracks. On the AI for Sales podcast, our mission is to empower everyday sellers to embrace AI superpowers to build new bridges and crush quota. Dr. Joel Abon said it best in the AI for Sales book, in sales, time kills deals. In AI for Sales, AI kills time. Join our hosts as we learn from the C-suite of the world's fastest growing companies about how you can leverage AI today to transform your sales revenue engine while being the best version of you. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister and I'm your host of the AI for Sales podcast. Today we're with Ryan House. Ryan is with Programmers.io, simple website to find, Programmers.io, really cool company. Um, he, The company has been around going on 10 years, uh, and they've had a lot of projects in a lot of really cool areas, obviously AI being one of those areas. So I'm excited to dig in today. The, Ryan is the Director of Business Development there. So as that uh, title, he'll be abreast of everything that's going on inside the business and the types of things that they're helping their customers with. So, Ryan, thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you, Chad. Uh, very excited to, to be on this podcast and listening to a few episodes I mentioned to you a little bit before. And, um, yeah, I, I love this topic. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, before we dig in, I like to help our audience connect with you by asking you the question, what were you obsessed about when you were younger, right? It kind of helps our audience connect the dots with how did you get from there to here? Yeah, you you know, the answer to that, the short answer is really just everything. Um, I was that kid that made some teachers absolutely delighted and, and a lot of parents sigh. I was always asking why about everything. But how I got to where I am, I think it makes sense when I was in first grade, they did a little experiment with my classroom where we had uh, to learn how to do emails and build a basic web page. And I was more interested in why and, and the fascination of how this is even possible. How How is somebody able to see my email um, you know, on a screen without having to write it down on a piece of paper. So I eventually ended up finishing, but I was the last person to turn in the, uh, the assignment. And so it kind of just led in all these directions where um, you could kind of imagine where finding out about Google search, for instance, or ask Jeeves that would satisfy my curiosity, just being, uh, being able to have any and all questions answered and without having to annoy my parents or, or teachers or anything like that. So, um, you know, for instance, I, you know, I, I started playing ukulele, but today I play guitar. I, I did soccer, um, acting, uh, drama in school, and I had a, a great mentor in my grandfather who was in business. So you tie all that, you throw it in a blender, um, and, and it, it makes sense to, to why I am where I am in business development in a tech company. I love it. Well, I remember when email first came out, I was studying in New Zealand on a study abroad program. And same thing, I would send a physical letter home to my parents once every couple of weeks or a month. And um, and at one point there, people said, hey, you know, you can do an email for that. And I was like, what the heck is email? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the fact that you there. could you could upload photos onto a website and it didn't go away and you didn't have to turn it in or it can't be really destroyed other than, I guess, a programmer going in and deleting the code. That to me was always the uh, the fascination. Whereas I guess others would, um, you know, they would just go, okay, yeah, here's the assignment H1. That's the header. <laughs> I wanted to know why, 
why this thing and how it exists before I even did it. So it's always been uh, very curious. I was always interested in absolutely everything. That was that was my thing. Very cool. Well, if I go to your website, programmers.io, I, I see you serve a lot of the Fortune 1000, uh, New York Stock Exchange companies, you know, Dell, uh, Shields, Blunt, uh, Gerber, Scott's, like these are big name companies. What have you oh, found yeah. since joining the company? What are some of the biggest projects that these companies are tackling? Because you guys do remote developers, right? You have people that are in the U.S., you have people offshore. What What are the biggest projects that you're uncovering and, and where does AI play a role in those projects? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the biggest thing specifically with those companies is a lot of it, is, I mean, the market is insane for, for programmers and a lot of the, the clients, they, they need a little bit of a refresher on what client or what uh, candidates are asking for in terms of their salary, for instance, you know, a lot, you know, it, it's changed. I mean, it's gone up by about 40 or so thousand. So um, trying to find like that, it helps us pinpoint why they're not finding top quality talents there and um, you know, what they have to do to meet those standards. That's one of the biggest ones is them not being able to find top quality uh, candidates. And it's simply because they're not matching the market. And then the other is just, those unexpected circumstances, let's say that they have this, this, um, you know, lofty goals in the quarter. And then for whatever reason, they say, Hey, we need to pivot. And this is the new directive. And then they find, and then we need this skill set, this skill set, and this skill set. And it's a unicorn. Well, where do you find that? If you don't have it on staff, well, that's, you know, another eight weeks or so the HR is going to have to, uh, put the resources in finding this person. How do you do that in a quick amount of time? And that's where typically we're tapped on the shoulder to say, hey, you guys have candidates that or, or programmers that have these skill sets. And that's kind of how programmers end up coming about was filling that need where we have, I mean, as you see the website, um, you know, pretty much uh, programmers with an endless amount of skill sets that are just very hard to find, ready to go. So that, that's where it's that immediacy really for these bigger companies. Got it. Now, are when when your team gets hired to do work for a company, what are some of the interesting projects that they're tasked with working on right now related to artificial intelligence? Oh, I mean, there was um, the most notable ones that come to my mind is a lot of the companies that will do custom software. So there's this one that was um, that they they do logistics and and um, a lot of like freight train work and stuff like that. So we had to build something to where it was timing the, uh, the shipments coming in. And, and so, I mean, I mean, it's not like the, uh, you know, it's not Star Trek uh, exciting or anything like that, but to just have that to where you're starting to see manufacturing companies, uh, industries that you would never really expect uh, you that would even use AI are starting to now use AI and, and just programming in general, just it's, it's seeping into every corner that you could possibly imagine. Uh, and, and then there's a lot of the times just very, uh, very basic things like um, RPG, for instance. I mean, that's a very, we call it a legacy language, but a lot, what happened was, especially with the pandemic, a lot of people took that knowledge with them when they retired. And then, so what do you do now? You have a younger generation that doesn't know RPG and, but they still run on these systems. That's a lot of our work right there. I mean, that's our largest department is RPG and 
backfilling that and replacing the the veterans of the industry that have retired and took their knowledge with them. So, I, I mean, I would say that in itself is, is pretty interesting. Just um, a younger generation taking on legacy languages. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's not something that I would, I would think about, but it, it certainly makes sense because you can't just rip and replace a system that's been in place for decades at some of these companies. You have to make it work. Exactly. That's exactly it. And then most of the, the newer generation, they're learning Java, uh, you know, Python, React, those things that we see on a, um, that are most familiar to us today. But these companies, because it's so efficient, I mean, uh, Cabal is still very efficient, so they never had a need to replace it. But they needed to replace the people that knew how to even uh, understand these languages. So uh, th that's really where I, I have found personally the most interest, uh, uh, like understanding that dynamic. I didn't know that. I thought for sure companies would just want to uh, have the latest and greatest, you know. Sure. Um, what about on the sales side? So as, in the business development group, I'm sure you're tasked with reaching out to new prospective clients. What, um, where are you finding that, that AI or automation could be used in, in your workflow? Yeah, so um, one of my favorite programs is uh, Phone Burner. And um, a lot of people are starting to, to catch on to what that is. It's a, essentially a power dialer, which is not really new per se, but I, I would say the functionality of it is just the way that it's able to, um, you know, track uh, you, you know, like within the parameters of let's say the do not call list it can immediately remove those contacts out of the list in real time so you're not you know getting hit with a fifty thousand dollar fine but it allows you to reach a lot of prospects and have their information pop up immediately uh pretty much everything about them on you know from their linkedin to uh notes that you know our team has left about a certain particular prospect and then so you're having you know eight to ten times more conversations and I mean, this just sounds like an ad for them, but that's how good of a product they have. Uh, and, and I would say it's just so efficient in terms of taking something that is a traditional skill set, i.e. cold calling and modernizing it to the speed that's needed for today. Uh, you, you know, something is as simple as sequences on HubSpot, which are are definitely uh, starting to make their rounds more, not having to remember to consciously follow up with with prospects and having that email go out, you know, um, three days later and you forgot about it and then you get a response. I mean, that's huge. It's just plugging in all of those holes where human error would definitely have maybe been the difference between not getting a deal, forgetting to follow up, which is so key is that the follow up and persistence piece that you need in this distracted world. Yeah. Having the AI to backfill that, huge. So it's Well, I, I love that you brought up phone because so many people, especially in the generation that we're living in right now, are so used to being digitally native. Yes. Let me send out a LinkedIn request. Let me send out an email batch and blast. And, and it's not as personalized as it could be because it's real easy to send out 500 emails. It's hard to make 25 dials. So when you have a tool like PhoneBurner, or I used to be the head of sales and marketing for Connect and Sell, um, I'm finding there was something that we kind of invented about six, seven years ago called talk, then send rather than sending first and just getting caught up in spam and the person taking off their list. If you call them first, I just spent before this conversation, I spent an hour with one of our new reps 
and we made 222 dials and we had about eight conversations. And yep. once we had the combo, typically the person's in the middle of something, right? The last person was like, hey, I'm in the middle of my MRP entry, data entry. We have to get all entry done within 16 hours or we don't get to count the quarter. And so she just laughed and she was like, hey, send me something and I'll talk to you later. So now I put that person in a three sequence step. We use Apollo at, at our company. And so I put them in a simple three sequence process. The first one is, is personalized. So I can say, hey, when we spoke just a minute ago, you, were, you had a 16 hour MRP data entry. I hope your fingers don't hurt, right? Yeah. And, then, and, yep. then it, and then the automated follow-up will happen. So I think you're, you're onto something, talk first, send second and most people do it the other way absolutely and you know even something like let's say a podcast there is something very unique about the voice in, in establishing a relationship there's something memorable about a voice that's why we like music so much we're drawn to singers in a sense uh and tonality you can't get that really in um in in email right because it it's re read from the reader's mind and how they would read it out loud but when you're there's a lot of ways to say something uh and and a lot of the times we're finding studies that say it's how you say something and the first let's say three seconds of a call is the the determining factor whether or not they trust you or not i mean that's huge but the also the other element is how many people like you said are not going on the phone and why is that you said it's easier to send you know 500 emails to versus making 25 calls and it's like, there it is. You just hit the nail on the head. It's, it's inconvenient. It, it makes some people uncomfortable because they, they don't want to bother somebody. Um, you know, make it, breaking the ice is a little bit tough for people. There's something called the phenomena of phone reluctance. So typically a lot of this uh, new age kind of information that comes out about cold calling being dead. Well, it's just a vehicle to get in touch with something. How could that be dead? It's more bred out of convenience and feeling comfortable. But if you can break that, you're going to be a top performer because you're doing something that a lot of people just simply don't want to do. And when when people are doing the things that are very easy to do, well, there's congestion, there's saturation right there. You're not really standing out in, in any meaningful way. You might get lucky here and there, but the best way to take control of your sales process really is to be yourself in that sense and, and show them who you are and that's why I like voicemails as well. People listen to a voicemail. I've gotten, you know, so many callbacks because of that. Uh, they they now when they see my next email, oh, that's that's Ryan right there. I I I remember hearing his voice, whether they know it or not. It might just be embedded subconsciously, but it's what goes from a stranger to an old friend. Where you're like, I kind of know this person, you know. So the familiarity aspect is huge. It's a it's a, a, a huge game changer and, and I, you know, I feel bad for the ones that don't do it because you're leaving a lot of, uh, of new business off the table just by avoiding it. That's, that's kind of yeah. my sentiment. on. Well, it probably doesn't hurt that you have a TV show named after you as well with house. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dr. House. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's been a little while since I've watched that one. Um, what, what do you think about AI and the sales focus, you know, where do you think AI for sales is headed in the next couple of years to maybe five years, you know, to, to what we've just been talking about, call reluctance, and some people are great at phone calls and others are not so great. I've started to see some 
bot automation come out where honestly it could be more pleasant to talk to air quotes <laughs> a bot yeah. than it is to talk to some of the sellers in today's world that we live in. Um, that's cool, but it's also not cool at the same time. You know, Absolutely. This question has fascinated me for 10 years and you know, back then I would have probably given that, like I mentioned earlier, like more of like the star Trek, the, the big hopeful optimistic approach to it. I would say that it would probably probably be very similar to what we're seeing today with some minor tweaks. And I think that's a good thing, though, uh, because that shows that the fundamentals are still clearly working and we're just seeing more of, of an enhancement. But let me give you an example. What One of the big ones that we would hear about a lot is the sentient analysis, which has been out. It's in the market in live time. It can tell you, hey, you're not sounding enthusiastic enough. The the um, the prospect answering the phone is not showing much interest. We see this, but why do most companies not really adopt this? And, and, and there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, why they don't, you know, it could be convenience, costs, a lot of things. It's unproven, but really, I think that the biggest change, and and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you've seen it differently, but the biggest change has been video calls. Um, even mm. though that too was a technology that that we've had. Uh, but the, being able to record a call and have a transcript spit out right after you have a video call, I think is the biggest uh, major shift that we've seen. But again, it came from um, a consequence of a major you know, global pandemic that had to shift and create that change. It wasn't something that was done really willingly. It just became part of our everyday mix. And I think um, that, that piece in itself was where I think uh, – you know, it kind of replaced that travel and that in that face to face. But I think when it comes down to the very uh, it comes down to the deal size, you know, it, we've seen people basically buying cars from a vending machine now, whoever, whoever thought that was going to happen. But when it comes to those bigger, larger enterprise deals where trust is at the at the core of everything, I don't see how AI would be anything more than like the six, the six man or woman on the bench at this point, because it, it comes down to really the storytelling and, and how much you trust that person. And it's hard to, when you're, when you're talking to a bot, so to speak, to uh, relate to a story. Hey, I know, I know what stress you're feeling. I went through this five years ago. I thought I was going to get fired, but I did X, Y, and Z. And now I, you know, I, I'm at doing the best I have. This is what I want to see for you. A bot can't do that. They can say it, but it's not going to touch your heart. And I think that's the biggest thing is the irrationality of human decision making. AI is so rational. And that's the problem right there that why it really can't be the, um, you know, immediately right now anyways, the, the uh, you know, replacing a human, so to speak. Well, I think of when I, a, a year ago, maybe I went to Winter Park. My folks own a place in Winter Park, Colorado for skiing. So I went, I went, you know, I've gone at least three or four times a year for a long time, maybe more than that. But I used to go to this massage place and you'd call them and someone would pick up and say, okay, would you like to schedule with this person, this person, this person, which one are you looking for? And, you know, there was time and money that was involved in that and in, in having that scheduler. And this is just a two person office. So yep. the last couple of times I've called, I get, I get on the phone and they say, oh, we've just sent you a text. Please go ahead and do your booking online. 
And so then I, it takes me from phone over to, over to the web on my, on my browser and it works great. They have an, they have a, like an iPhone app, I think it is. And it just takes you through, you get to choose and then you pick and it's done within seconds. Where I think it goes next is all of the guts of that text to phone app conversion. You know, now it's just, you know, what time of day are you looking? It'll just all be done by voice. So I think taking the AI, programming it into the voice, that's where we go next. And then once you get basic transactions done, then can I, you know, point that same uh, technology at an outbound call? Can I point that technology to handle an inbound call? I mean, there's a lot of possibilities once we get the basics taken care of. I, I you know, I agree with that. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to the the size, like, for instance, I would rather buy a book online, you know, and, and if it means automation to where I, I had to order something off an independent bookstore, if it wasn't Amazon, I'm supporting Indie or something like that. And, it, and for the example that you gave, I would much rather make a transactional purchase like that. And I think a lot of it comes down to just, you know, like the, the what is the contract size? How complex is the process? Um, you know, how ab- are you selling an idea or a product? I think it, it's a lot easier with product when, let's say, consulting, for instance. I, I don't, it'd be very tough to to have AI do that. And um, there was a company a few years ago, uh, they went under, but they had a very interesting model where they were placing cold calls and the voice sounded as human as I've ever sounded. It didn't sound like one of those ones that I've, you've, you've probably heard the robocallers like, hey, I just wanted to let you know you have won a $500 sweepstakes, you know? And we're like, click. You you don't even want to talk to that. You know, they, it might've been real. You you may have actually won a $500 sweepstakes, yeah, but wait two now, hanging. right? Yeah, right. The other one sounded like it could have been your next door neighbor. But there, but you know what? There was something still. I don't know why. And maybe let's call it human intuition. And um, and maybe because I I knew that it was a bot. But there was something that that was missing. And I was trying to put my finger on it. And it was the us, the ums, the imperfection of of somebody maybe going off on a tangent while they were speaking. It was too perfect. And I think that was the problem. And why companies didn't really well you know among legal issues why they didn't adopt it and why i did not purchase i was i was close i was like sure. uh, i might i might print i might uh you know sign up for this trial i might do it but it was that it was, I was like this wouldn't work I, I, and you know i was like i can't write off and say 100 percent, but i have to right now it wouldn't work i don't believe in my opinion because of the fact that it is not it is it's it's too perfect that's why well, that, there that, is that's a company that's on the East Coast. I'm blanking on their name right now. They're they're planning to go public later this year, and they have cracked the code on the ums and ahs. And even they did a live demo on stage a couple months ago. I was in Florida, and they had like an interruption where the person on the other side might say, "Chad, Chad, wait, I have a question." Okay, go ahead. And it's smart enough to be able to handle the interruptions in a conversation and it was, it was pretty fabulous, but yeah, um, that just is. like if you call an American <laughs> airline switchboards, right. And it goes, duh, 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 duh. it sounds like a typewriter, you know, it's fake, but they're at least showing you that, Hey, there's some work being done here with the algorithm. right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think in a lot of situations, like you said, I, I can see people getting smart enough to go, okay. Yeah. It did sound wooden. 
uh, talking over somebody, for instance, or doing a cut, like those are very natural ways uh, of, of human conversation. And they're, you know, uh, by the textbook, they're, they're kind of wrong. It's impolite to talk over someone, not let them finish, but it happens. And, and, and there's some sort of comfort, I guess, in the predictability of that and having to get to your point quicker and, and, uh, you know, someone losing interest on the other, um, the other end of what you're saying. We come to expect that. And I think maybe it's it's our comfort of predictability as humans. But I could totally see maybe like 10 years from now, someone really finding something where maybe they've just done, you know, a million crawls of conversations and found a way to break that code. And that to me would be a very interesting way of changing prospecting. I, I would be very curious to see what the effects of that would be. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I like to keep these under 25 minutes. So we've got about 30 to 60 seconds left to go. If people want to get in touch with you and they're having a hard time hiring programmers, uh, what would be the best way to reach out to you? Yeah, my, my phone number is 602-826-2165. You want to get a hold of me personally, it's the same phone number I use to call my mom. So um, I do that as, as a sign of good faith. Or you can email me, ryan.house at programmers.io, and uh, I will get back to you as quickly as possible. <laughs> All right, Ryan, thanks for being on the show. And thank you, everyone, for t- tuning in to another AI for Sales podcast. Catch you next time. Hey, you made it this far in your AI for sales journey. Want to augment your sales growth? First, leave us a review and then visit www.scalex.ai to claim your free strategy session today.